0: Good morning to each one. Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus. It was a blessing to be here already as we heard about love. And as our brother shared, we can think of love as an emotion, but as sometimes love means doing hard things as he shared about the couple in Vermont. And may, you know, we face many different situations in life and sometimes love is saying or doing things we don't want to do. So I just want to say thank you for that. For a message this morning, we want to look at the life of Noah. And I will be reading quite a bit in Genesis, and you may turn there. What I want to do first is read quite a bit, and then I I have a few questions I want us to be asking ourselves as I read through this. And the title is, Noah, a man God could use. Noah, a man God could use. And the questions are this as I read it. Why did Noah find grace in the eyes of the Lord? Number two, why could or did God use Noah? And then the third question is, can God use me? Let's pause for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you again for your goodness to us and for another beautiful day. Thank you for this opportunity together to worship you this morning again. Thank you for your word and the many examples we have in here to look at, to pattern our lives after. We know that each part of the Bible is there for a purpose. We can learn thereby. Help us to learn what you would have us to learn this morning. I pray for wisdom, for direction, for this message. Lord, I just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I want to start in Genesis 6 verse 5. Genesis 6, 5, <clears throat> and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made, made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in this generation, in his generation. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, the breadth of it fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark. Shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And every living thing of all flesh, Two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind, and cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every short sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And thou shalt take unto thee of all the food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded So did he. Chapter 7. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou, and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth, forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was six hundred years old when the flood was flood of waters was upon the earth. And Noah went in, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him, into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Then I'll just jump down to verse 16. Those next verses would mainly talk about People going into the ark, the windows of heaven opened, opened and rain, it rained forty days and nights. Verse 16, and they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, and God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, And the ark went upon the face of the waters, and the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered, and all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man, and in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land, died. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping thing and the fowl of the heaven. And they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive. And they that were with him in the ark, and the waters prevailed upon the earth an 150 days. Chapter 8, And God remembered Noah, and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged, the, the fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained, and the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of a hundred and fifty days, the waters were abated, and the ark rested in the seventh month of the seventeenth day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat, And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. And then we'll go down to verse 13, just skipping over when he sends out the raven and dove. And it came to pass in the and 600th and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. And in the second month of the seventh and twentieth day of the month was the earth dried. And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife, and thy sons, and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, and of every creeping thing that creep upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth, and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth, and his sons and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl, and every... And whatsoever creepeth upon the earth, after their kinds, went forth out of the ark. And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord, and took every clean beast, and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings unto the, on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. While the earth remaineth seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Chapter nine. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that lieth. That liveth shall we meet for you, even as the green herb have I have I given you all things. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. And surely surely your blood of your lives will I require, at the hand of every beast will I require it, and at the hand of man at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of the man. And whoso sheddeth man's blood By man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. And ye, you be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you, and with your seed after you, and with every living creature that is with you, of the file of the cattle and of every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you, Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the sky, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall no more be a flood to destroy all the flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. And the sons of... And the sons that went forth out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. So, part of the reason just to read the whole, that whole thing is, I don't often read the whole thing, and, and we often read it in Bible stories, we get little sections of it, but just to give a, a better context of the life of Noah, and we know, I didn't get into the next part, we know he fell into sin after that, but I wasn't going to touch on that this morning. So as I read through, did you think about those questions? And that's, if you look at that, why could God use Noah? What were some character, what was his character? Why could he use Noah? And can he use me or you? I want to first look at seven points in his life. How Noah lived, and then how God looked at him. And I also want to then later look at our lives in some of these points and some others. And some of these things may overlap. The first point is, Noah walked with God amidst evil surroundings. And that was in Genesis 6, 8-12, to and I won't go reread it. But it, it says there the thoughts of the heart of the people was evil continually. And 11 says the earth was filled with violence and twelve says all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. So, we might think today we have it rough. There's so much evil around, everywhere, I shouldn't say everywhere, but lots of evil around, and how could he do it? How could Noah stand with all evil around? It said, hearts and thoughts of, it. thoughts of heart, their hearts was evil continually. And I believe the key was in one of the, I'm not sure which verse it was. It said he was walking with God. And what does that look like? If you look at uh, walking with God, would mean habitual fellowship, continual fellowship or habitual. And that's what we need to walk with God, matter if we're surrounded by evil, just like Noah did. It also says he was just and perfect. And another thing I want to point out, it says he was, he was seen righteous. God saw him as righteous. He was seen righteous. And then verse 8 says, Noah found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord. And I think that's something we would want today. Favor or grace of God. We would want God's favor on our lives. And I think during these times, we what we, need, we need to be connecting with the Lord. And back to that walking with Or, yeah, walking with our habitual fellowship. I had to think of communication. Whoever we're in constant communication with will affect our lives. And someone, the more we're communicating with somebody, the more they'll understand us, we understand them. And that's why we need to be habitually communicating with God so we know his heart. And that will show up in our lives. Whoever we communicate with will the most, will how we live our lives and our priorities may change by who we're communicating with a lot and I picture Noah as time went on having less and less fellowship with those outside his family as those around became more and more evil I picture his fellowship was probably less because they were not on the same page and I don't think he was going to the heathen for advice in his life why would he want to do that if he saw there going against God and from whatever to how to how to raise his family to run his business? I don't know what he, you know I don't know exactly what he was doing for work, but I don't think he was going there for advice if they were turning away from God, and I believe his family noticed and if he, they saw him going to God for wisdom in all areas of life, and why did he do that? I believe it's the same today. The world and the Christian have two different values, different goals. The world's thinking is, "How will this benefit me? What can it, you know, what will it gain me? How can I get what I want?" It's, it's a selfish motive. It's a whole different way of looking at things. A Christian will be thinking, "Is God pleased with me? Is God pleased if I make this decision? And how will this affect others?" We're we're concerned, as we heard about love this morning. It's all we care about others too. Will it be good for my family, my church family, if I make this choice? It will we are concerned more than about just ourselves. Am I totally honest in my dealings? And does my business in any way cater to ungodly lifestyle? Just some of the things I think a Christian would ask. My life any is there any way catering to ungodly lifestyle? And Lord, is there anything in my life that is marring your name. That's the kind of thing a Christian will ask versus a non-Christian will be thinking about self, gain of self for self. I had to think too, am I responding right to this COVID-19? And you would think that would be easy, just obey the government as long as it's not going against the Bible. And that sounds easy, but for those of us who live in Lancaster County, what do you do when the some of the officials are rebelling against the governor of the state. Then who do you listen to? And that's the kind of thing that it sounds easy, but it really isn't. And I know I heard a lot of, through this whole thing, a lot of strong, strong opinions about how to respond. And I had to think too, suppose we were living back in, in the East here during the revolution, when the revolution started. When people came over to America, they were promised to be faithful to the king of England. Now you have rebels here rising up against the king of England, and what would you have done? And I believe obviously, once the war was over, you were now part of another. You're now part of the United States of America. And and during those times, if they, you know, they were even during the Civil War, depending, the Christians helped. Took care. They took care of the wounded. Um, you know, they might have had took them in, took care of them, but they had to be careful. You know, they could have looked like they're traitors. And it is not as easy as it looks. And I used to think too. I heard the saying, "If persecution would come, I think a lot of we had a lot less problems with different denominations and all that." And yet, I think sometimes you' had harder things. People would draw draw lines at different places. What they're gonna what is it okay to do? Would you say a lie to protect your fellow believer? All those kind of things. It's, it's it sounds easy, but it really isn't. So just, but back to the, what is walking with God? Uh, like I said, a Christian and a non-Christian with totally different views. The Christian is cared about, cares about if he's pleasing God and that's showing love to his fellow man. And as a man walking with God, how did Noah feel? When God told him that people are going to be destroyed, all except your family. How did that make him feel? How would we feel? Then take it to us today. If we know others around us are living in sin, and if they don't repent, they will go to hell. What, what is our response? How do we, how do we respond to that? And it takes wisdom to know when to speak into somebody's life. And we would definitely not Christian will not glory in somebody that we know that is heading to hell. So, walking with God, we are concerned about those around us. We need to be faithful ourselves, but then have a care for those around us. Second point is Noah was faithful, or obedient when appointed a hard task. He was obedient even if he didn't totally understand when God said, "Build an ark." And there's the animals are going to come in. There's going to be a flood. It would have seemed unfathomable to first of all build this huge ark and and here in the middle of dry land the animals were going to come in. I don't know exactly how they were then but today we would look at that as impossible to go find two of every kind or seven of every kind and bring them all into the ark within a short time. And then a flood to cover the earth. What was his response? And the point of being Faithful and obedient when appointed a hard task, building the ark was a huge job. As it took about 120 years, and I think he looked foolish building it there. I think he could have felt very foolish. But a few of the points I want to bring out of his life, and I won't turn back to him. But it said in verse chapter seven, verse eight, he did all according as God had said. He did all according complete obedience in building the ark and bringing the animals in and in chapter 621 it talks about bringing food along so he he was completely obedient and God knew he would obey that's why he, he chose him obviously he was living for him and others weren't but God knew he could trust him God, God could use him he had a heart of he knew he would be willing, not must I, Lord, or I will feel I will feel foolish doing this. But he was faithful. God knew he would obey. Does God know I will obey? Does he know if someone, does he know I will obey what he wants me to do? And I believe if somebody is not obeying God, it could either be not walking or communing with God and don't know how to obey, or just simply not willing to surrender totally give our lives to him, do what he wants. And maybe we're praying and asking, asking God for wisdom and direction, but we're not doing what he has already showed us. And that that can be a challenge. We want to know the end instead of doing what he has already showed us, be a faithful and obedient in the first thing. I want to know the whole thing, not being obedient to what he has already showed us. Now I want to think about some other faithful and obedient people in the Bible. And I first want to think about when Jesus did miracles. Did you ever think about it that most of them, Jesus required some doing. Obedience and faith was faithfulness was required. And Jesus could have just healed people. But most times people had to be willing to believe, do something, and obey before there was a miracle. And I won't turn to these. It's John 9, 7. Jesus told the blind man to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Notice he said, go wash. And he said, where? And he had to obey to be healed. Because of faithful obedience, it says he came seeing. He had to be obedient and faithful. Matthew seventeen twenty seven. Jesus told Peter to cast a hook. And open the mouth of the first fish you catch. And then you'll have money to give to pay taxes. But he had to do two things. Cast the hook and open the mouth of the first fish. Luke 5, 4. Jesus told the disciples to go out and put the nets down for a drought. Which means that catching a fish is not maybe, but he said, go do that and you'll catch some. But do we know that story? The children know the story. They tried all night and... I don't know what they thought for sure, but they, would try, they did it anyway. And by obedience, they were blessed. They had to obey to, get, to be blessed. In Luke 17:13 and 14, the story of the lepers it says the lepers cried out to Jesus as he entered their village. And what did Jesus do? He said, "Go show, show yourselves to the priest." As they went, they were cleansed. They had to go. They had to go to be cleansed. John two seven, with Jesus' first miracle, a very familiar one also, he told them to fill the water pots to the brim, and there was, by their faithfulness and obedience, they had wine. And I don't know if they wouldn't have filled it to the brim, if he would not have made wine, I don't know, but if he would have, they still, they were blessed because they filled them to the top. I do want to turn to one in 2 Kings. If you want to turn there about Naaman. 2 Kings 5, verse 9. 2 Kings 5, verses 9 to 14. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash it. Wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God, and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he said to thee, Wash and be clean. Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And I think this is such a good example of the faith and obedience. He almost wasn't healed because he didn't want to do what he was told. He almost wasn't healed. And I think it was partly because it wasn't how he thought it would be. He said, surely I thought he would come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. He thought it would be done in a great way and he almost wasn't healed because he, he got angry instead and he was told to go wash in, some, in a dirty old river, in a dirty river instead. But here again, notice it says God's direction. Wash seven times in the Jordan. It took faithful obedience again. And in this section here, I was talking about faithful obedience. And I think for here we should add humility and submission yet. It took humility for him to go, a man of greatness as he was, to go wash in that river. And I believe he was too proud to submit himself to do such a lowly thing. Like wash seven times in the Jordan River. And it doesn't say, but I don't believe there was a gradual healing as he went down at each time he healed. But I think after complete obedience, he was completely healed. And I think that's that's what God wants from us, complete obedience, so he can do a work in our lives. Um, John the Baptist's parents in Luke 1.6, the Bible says, They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances, ordinances of the Lord blameless. That's why God could use them. They were ready, faithful, obedient. That's why God could use them. And then we think of the story of Moses. We think of how he felt he should do something about the suffering of the Israelites there in Egypt. So he killed, we know the story again, very familiar. He went and killed the, the, one of the Hebrews. It seemed like he was doing right and yet he was not obeying God. God had told him to do it. He was doing it on his own in his own timing. And then when God came and told him, came to him later, then he had all kinds of excuses. He didn't want to do it then either. Or he didn't want to do it when God told him. So, and I can think there was reasons he felt like he couldn't do it. But am I willing to faithfully obey God? What he has for me right now in my life. Sometimes that's a hard thing. What, Where he has us right now, Can we are we willing to obey right where he has us now? Sometimes we can get confused what God would have for us. Sometimes it seemed like doors. uh, We we feel God is leading us a certain way, but doors seem to be shut. Maybe God is just saying not yet, not now. And um, there might be lessons I want you to learn, or for for whatever reason we could feel this is what God wants, but it might not be now. Because I think Moses should have felt he was doing, or did feel he was doing right by killing the Egyptian. But as I said earlier, God did not tell him to do it. He just was doing it on his own. So when we feel God is leading in a certain way, obviously we it should line up with scriptures. And then as it says in, we should get input from the church. As it says in Proverbs, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. If we have that blessing of when we feel the leading of God in our lives to do something, but we can have that blessing... We can go in confidence and peace. Cause I know of a, there was a certain situation of a, a family felt called to a certain area and, but what they, what he said was, it felt clear, but they wanted the blessing of the church and be sent rather than on their own. And that was a good feeling for everybody cause they had that, that's what they wanted. They wanted peace and a clear that that's, it was a confirmation. That's what God wanted in their lives. Now the third point is: Noah was remembered by the Lord and delivered and delivered him from death. God delivered him from death, Genesis 8:1 Noah was remem- remembered by the Lord and delivered him, him from death. God caused the wind to pass over the earth, so the waters went down. And God also remembers us when we 're in hard times when we're facing hard things Just like he did with Joseph, another familiar Bible story. First of all, we think of him being sold into Egypt by his brothers because of jealousy. His brothers were jealous. They wanted to get rid of him. But And he ended up with Potiphar. Genesis 39, 2 says, And the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with him. Or remembered him. I believe he received many blessings because of his character. And I won't get into that a lot. But I believe he showed a servant heart, honesty. And he, it does talk about him having a pleasant uh, personality. So he was making the best of the situation there. And later on, it could have seemed like God didn't care about him. But he got sent to prison for being accused wrongly. But then it says, the Lord was with Joseph showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So again, the Lord was with him and showed him mercy. And God remembers Joseph even when man forgets him. You remember the story when the butler had a dream. Joseph interprets the dream and tells him to remember him, but he forgot about him. How did he feel? But instead of moping around and giving up and giving in to sin, Joseph continued showing a living a life of showing godly character. And the blessing of the Lord was upon his life because he was faithful. He was continued showing a godly character. And because of that, Joseph's family was saved during the famine. If you think about the whole bigger picture, because of Joseph's faithfulness, his family was saved. So when we think of that story of Joseph, may that give us courage when we're in temptations or hard times or... We think people don't care, God doesn't care. Think of Joseph and what all he went through, and in the end, how it affected many people in a good way. Fourth point by faith, Noah worked out his own salvation, and that's in hebrews eleven seven <clears throat> by faith, Noah being warned of God as as by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. So again, Noah had a lot of faith to build the ark. It took a lot of faith. He, he believed God would judge the earth. But he built the ark as evidence of his faith. We can say we have faith, but if we don't, what is the evidence of our faith? Faith isn't really faith unless it has action to it. And yeah, what is the evidence in our lives that we believe in the almighty God that is going to is coming back to receive all those that are ready and to judge? Do we what is the evidence in our lives that we believe in this God that we have faith? And Hebrews 11:6 says But but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. When I think of faith and families being saved, I think of also Rahab the harlot. I want to just read a few verses in there, Joshua 2, 8. Joshua 2, 8-12 to 12. And we're familiar with the story how the spies came there to her house And the, when the men came looking for the spies, she hid them And before they were laid down, she came up onto the roof And she said unto the men I know that the Lord hath given you the land And that your terror is fallen upon us And that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites, that they were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have shewed you kindness that ye will also shew kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. So you can see a key verse, I think is 11. She said, she saw what was happening and said, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. I think her faith is what calls her to respond kindly to these spies. And the result of that is saving of her family. Her faith And showing kindness was saving her family. The fifth point is Noah warned neighbors of coming judgment. Second Peter 2.5 says Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Again, it's showing Noah's character. As he was building the ark all those years, he had opportunity to to preach to the people around. I don't know how it was. You know, you can read of Bible stories or whatever, but there's, he was interacting with people, obviously. And it says he was a preacher of righteousness. I think he was cared about the people's souls, the people that were not going along in the ark. So are we warning those around us of the coming judgment, just like Noah did? That's an example we can follow about him. I read an article written in 2018 about passing out gospel literature. It said that in the past only about 10% willingly received the literature, but since since natural disasters and acts of terrorism are becoming more prevalent, the tables have turned. Now about 90% willingly refu- willingly take it. Um, so this is an open door for us. But that was written in 2018, and there's definitely not been less um, disasters and that kind of thing. So that's an opportunity we have today to reach out to others if people are more receptive um, when people are faced with hard times. So even like during COVID-19, there's opportunities for us to, we can share with others. Some people respond in all different ways. Some people don't care. Some people are panicky. But can we have a calm assurance that if we're walking with the Lord, all is well. And we can testify of that peace in our hearts to those around us. And ask them, do you have that calm assurance, that peace in your heart that if something does happen, if we would die, you would die, you're ready to meet the Lord. And if they don't, we can share the plan of salvation with them. And if it's truly in our hearts, it will affect those around us. It, or they will be much more receptive of it if they see that we are we have a peace and we, we are not all worked up, and yet we care. We're not calloused either. We're not just uh, sloppy about it or careless about the whole thing. So I feel it's an opportunity we have in these days um, with all the things happening. People's lives are unsettled because of the virus. Sixth point is Noah builds an altar. And that's the first thing that is recorded when he leaves the ark. If you can picture a fresh, clean earth, he built an altar to the Lord. And why did he do this? I believe it only felt right to praise the Lord for, and for his what he's done. And he did that through burnt offerings. And I and it says that pleased the Lord. And also verse twenty-two, it says the promise there will always be the seasons of the year, day and night. It's a promise we can have today. It's a confidence. That if seasons seem to change a little bit, or spring is slow in coming, or there, but there always will be day and night as long as the earth remains. But back to the altar, what are we putting on the altar? What are we? What aroma does it have? Is it a sweet smell to God? I believe when the sacrifices were like a sweet smell going up to God. But today is thankfulness and praise coming out of our lips, our lives. Or is it complaining and ungratefulness? What is the aroma God is getting from us? Is he pleased with us? And the seventh point is, Noah was honored by God with an everlasting covenant. He was honored by God with an everlasting covenant. In verse 11 of chapter 9, it talks about all flesh will not be cut off with a flood, neither a flood to destroy the whole earth, Because I never really stopped and thought about it. How would that have been coming out of the ark? Thinking, is he going to do this again? If if man gets wicked. But there was a promise. This will never happen again. The whole earth will be flooded. And then the rainbow. And I always thought of it. We look at it. We say, we might tell the children. There's a rainbow. And you might talk about Noah showed that. Or God showed it to Noah as a promise. But in chapter 9, verses 15 and 16, it says... Um God will I'll just read that again. Genesis nine, fifteen, and sixteen. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature. And beginning of sixteen, and the bow shall be in this cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all the flesh that are upon the earth. So when we look at the rainbow, we should always remember that God is looking at it also. It's a covenant between God and man. So in summary of these points, back to, and back to the question in the beginning: Why did God use Noah? He walked with God, though surrounded by evil. Two was he was obedient when appointed a hard task, but he was obedient prior to this also, and he was a man of faith. Building the ark was evidence. And being a man of God, Noah warned the people of pending judgment. And he built an altar to thank and praise God. And then God remembered Noah and delivered him from death. And God honored Noah with an everlasting covenant. So that's about Noah, but can God use me? Can God use you? I think what we need to do is continue in a faithful obedience. And God sees, as He said about Noah, thee have I seen righteous in this generation. May God be able to say that about us. He sees each one of us faithful in this generation. And God knew He could trust or depend on Noah. Can He know He can trust and depend on me? If we don't obey him in the small things, how can he expect us to obey in great things? And that was something I had been thinking when I was studying the other week, and I was looking at a commentary, and that exact word was in there. It just blessed me. If we don't obey God in small things, how can we expect him to bless us with great things? Uh, And like the story of the little maid, we think of little things, and the children know that story too. She was dutifully waiting or serving Naaman's wife. And by that, Naaman was healed. But there was two things about her. It shows she must have been honest. If When she talked about Naaman being healed, they believed what she said. And she also had faith, because it says in Second Kings, Would God, my Lord, were the prophet." Where God, my Lord, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. So she must have been honest and she had faith. She didn't say maybe, but she said if he were with with the prophet, he would be healed. She had faith, this little girl. So let us be faithful where God has us right now and make good use of opportunities that God comes and brings into our lives, whether young or old. And through these times, we don't know. Uh, I had to think of up in New York City, where the there's uh, lunch boxes were being taken up, or food boxes. And but before this, the Pilgrim Mennonites have a church established up there. I'm going to say in the last 10 years, I think it's a fairly small church. But they're there, faithfully serving. And I know that some of the things going up had a name card on there to contact this church. My point is this, when they started the church, they didn't know that this COVID-19 is going to happen. They were just faithfully there. And now they're there at a time, at such a time as this. They're there at such a time as this is what I guess just stood out to me. I heard somebody talking about it that, you know, what all is happening there and people are, it's a time that people are touched by these food boxes, or whatever coming up. But, they were just being faithful I don't know that exactly how their church started, and I'm not lifting up one denomination, but I'm saying they were faithful, and God can use them now as a conservative witness for what's happening up there, the food boxes that are going up. So in closing, can God depend on us to be faithfully obedient? Once there was a, a boy named Denver from Ohio, and he had a, a German Shepherd dog that was a good pet and also a very dependable watchdog. Denver would go out to the pastor to bring in the cattle, or the cows, every evening. And he always took his faithful dog along. One evening, the dog chased the rodent into a hollow stump. And he told the dog to stay by the stump till he could return with something to eliminate the rodent. But his church had prayer meeting that evening, and he forgot all about the dog. He, had, he just got home from church when he heard the faint howl of his dog. The dog was still waiting for him at the stump. He quickly called for the dog and in short order the dog came bounding to the house. So you can see the dog did what he's told him. He was faithful. He was obedient. That is dependability. So can God depend on us like that to be that faithful, obedient when we, however God shows something in our lives or tells us something, can he depend on us like that today? That we will be there obedient to what he says and he can bless us for that. So I just want to say God bless you to each one here at Oasis and may you continue pressing on for the Lord.